In a world full of distractions, there is one big question on every dog owner's lips. How do I become more than just the person holding the other end of the leash? We all get dogs with a dream in mind, a vision of the future. And if right now your everyday reality isn't quite that picture you had in mind, you are in the right place. It really doesn't have to be this way. You absolutely can and will be more to your dog than just the person who gets in between them and the world. The key is you need to be more sexy. More sexy than the neighbourhood cat. More sexy than the jogger in the park. More sexy than that half-eaten hamburger they just found on the floor. And yes, even more sexy than the dog across the road. I'm Tom. And I'm Lauren. Together Together we are are Absolute absolute dogs. Dogs. And you're listening to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast, the podcast that teaches you how to conquer the environment and get a dog who is well-behaved no matter what is going around. Now, multi-dog households, that's our topic of today. We must have been asked, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 plus emails to mm-hmm. cover this topic, right? Like yeah. this topic is a big one. And and both of us live this life. We both have multi-dog households and successful multi-dog I, households, right? And when it goes well, oh my word, it's like the dream. But you know what? We're aware because we help a lot of people. We're aware that actually when it doesn't go right, it can be incredibly stressful and, and for the dogs and for you, a right? Hu- huge relationship withdrawal, huge relationship stressor mm-hmm. actually makes it pretty painful owning a dog, makes it painful to maybe have a visitor come, mm-hmm. makes it difficult to have family around, makes like family events like Christmas or birthdays or greetings or gatherings hard work and it actually starts to potentially make you a little bit antisocial when you own a multi-dog household, right? And so whether you have a multi-dog household at the moment, whether you one day dream of having one, or whether actually you're quite happy with your single dog household... Actually, there's a lot that you can learn from this because this is about inter-dog relationships. It's about multiple dogs being in the same space. And what we're going to do is we're going to run through some tips that have meant that our multi-dog households are really harmonious and yet we're aware of how this can go wrong as well. And the thing is, when it does go wrong, right, it goes at times catastrophically Mm. wrong where actually sometimes people don't even know how to get it back on track where dogs actually end up living Mm. separate lives in that house pretty much for ever and yet when it goes right like we explained mm-hmm. it's a beautiful thing yeah. and in fact i'm just thinking i'm just thinking about this and actually i reckon it's the biggest request from a yeah, be- behavior difficult. point of view of multi-dog household catastrophe mm-hmm. and needing like mm-hmm. input there and, and naughty but nice when we tackle all of the in-person mm-hmm. naughty but nice cases here that definitely is the thing right naughty yeah. but nice increasingly is is dogs behaving within their own household badly mm-hmm. which kind of almost for me feels a little bit insane when we know actually this is so so doable which mm-hmm. is why we're so passionate about covering it today yeah absolutely so what we're going to do is we're going to go back and forth with some tips and i'm gonna start with the controversial but very true statement that is regardless of the species High arousal relationships don't last long. <laughs> Tom and always so, loves this one. He loves to so he true. loves to exaggerate so, the high arousal word. And so what we mean by that is we really need to inspire low arousal, calm relationships between dogs. Because actually what we've got is um if two dogs have very 
over-aroused, over-excited interactions with one another, over-arousal is just one step away from fear. And so if we can inspire calm, positive relationships where what they're doing is entirely appropriate um, and, um, and of the right emotional state, then we're winning. And the way that we do that is we're smart about what our dogs do together. So we make sure that if they want to play, that we're you know employing them in what is appropriate. And that is usually some kind of calming activity. And then once you've got this foundation of a calm relationship sure then you can grow um further interactions on it but there has to be that foundation of calmness okay next tip would 100 percent for me be i have to say gated communities mm. gated communities make my life so easy and when i say gated communities what might i mean well okay say we're and um, we've got a, a, a young dog in the house who we're doing some training for a, for a client with and and that dog would be maybe puppy pen or a crate or a space where they are safe and then we might have maybe a stair gate Maybe we might have a boundary. Maybe we might have um, a, a different form of um, sort of puppy space or room or uh, an appropriate space like a, um, a, con- a conservatory or a um, where, where do you do your laundry? A laundry room. What do they call them? There's a word. Utility. utility. Room. That's the word I can't think of. A utility room. Um, whatever it is that is appropriate in your house, those are the gated communities. And for example, our house, when you come up, there's a, there's a stair gate on the bottom of the stairs. And initially that was there for a live and then it stayed there for the dogs at the top of the stairs there's another stair gate going into the kitchen there's another stair gate most of the time those are open and at appropriate times they might be closed puppies and dogs i, I had a, a lady only today uh, ring and say i don't know what to do my, my adult dog is growling at my new puppy i've been so excited about getting my new puppy and now my adult dog is growling at them what do i do and i my, my first thought is why are they in the same space together like for me, they wouldn't be given that close proximity, like let's get them to be friends at eight mm-hmm. weeks old space. And and a gated community allows you to unlock freedom in a house that maybe seems like you could maybe need to limit that, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, next tip would be that even the strongest of relationships, when together for too long you know what, you can start to see cracks in that. And so what we've got to be aware of is that if our dogs are spending time together all of the time and they, they're not getting any breaks from one another, well, that is putting unnecessary strain and unnecessary... It's really just kind of... If, if it's not needed and it's causing harm, then actually how about spending some time apart and letting those buckets empty and letting them actually just really kind of have a, have a moment of not being exposed to what the other dog's doing to really calm down. So that would be the second one. And that, uh, sorry, the third one. And that's built on, of course, gated communities in the, in order for that to happen, you, they can't have access to each other all of the time. And again, this one builds on gated communities and exactly what Tom's just said, like not having access to each other all the time. And this would be multi-dog boundaries. And what I love about multi-dog boundaries um, is that multi-dog boundaries, in fact, I've got Classic and um, she yeah. sat at my legs. maybe just explain legs. what boundaries yeah, are for the, for the new people. Classic sat at my legs right now. And um, I know you guys are listening and, and you can't necessarily see her. At the same time, um, what I love about boundaries, they are given a spot, a place, a target, somewhere that they are allowed to sit and relax and rest. We train our dogs to go to this space this space is a calm space they put their pajamas on they get they get comfy they get cozy they get lazy i'm looking at her right now she's stretched out she's got a little paws hanging over the edge she's got her head down she's looking pretty relaxed pretty settled and 
that's their space. Now, when they're in that space, I might have one dog on one boundary, one dog on another boundary. A boundary could be anything that gives your dog a defined space. So it could be a, a vegetable box with a bed in it. It could be one of those high-sided beds that's got mm-hmm. like the raised sides around the corner. It could be a comfy, squishy bed, something that has some level of definition to it, I would say. It could be a raised bed. And actually, this is their space. Now, I might have a couple of my dogs on. Oh, there we get to see classic for those of you who get to watch. And actually, I might have a couple of my dogs on a, a boundary at any time. And if they're if they're good in close proximity, they may be together. But majority of the time, actually, I would have them separately. So they would be separately on boundaries. There's something we utilize in our households. And actually, they allow us to maybe give chews or they maybe allow us to give um, one dog um, an opportunity to just have a bit of a break from another dog. And they kind of give some level of definition, right? They give a level of, um, of definition in there. Absolutely. So the next tip that um, that we're going to give you is that fair does not mean equal. And what we mean by that is that in a multi-dog household, every dog's going to have their strengths, have their weaknesses. You know, they might be different ages and have different physical requirements as well. And that means that if you're approaching this as you've got to treat every dog exactly the same, well, that's probably that means that actually some dogs are not getting what they need and so it's often give an example of that like blink for example when she was having um she had a surgery Mm -hmm. um and you want to take them all out together yeah right like and and blink had had a surgery she didn't need to go out for the big long hike and yet as an owner you'll see some owners as a vet right and i'll Mm -hmm. see some owners as a full-time professional trainer here they will still walk their dog even yeah. though they've just had a surgery because they can't leave one at home. Yeah. And that's like physical requirements. So then what we've got also got to think is like behavior requirements. Like for example, um, I'm just thinking about a, a, a situation that I was involved in a couple of weeks ago where there was a household of three dogs. The relationships, let's say, had deteriorated to the point where unfortunately um, two dogs had got into a fight. And the challenge was is that the dogs... It, all three dogs were doing exactly the same day in, day out. But there was one dog in that household that was like a typical naughty but nice dog in that with any opportunity, they would be like in high excitement or high arousal. And they were just, their bucket was always very full. Now, the challenge is, is that the other two dogs in the household, they weren't like that. But in treating them all the same, that dog was not getting what it needed. And that dog's bucket one day overflowed. And the owner knew that this dog was maybe, you know, not not necessarily having the best experience lately because they were maybe reacting on walks, they were chasing things, but we had to walk all three of them because otherwise it would not be fair. And what that led to is actually the the dog that was like your typical naughty but nice type dog attacking one of the other dogs. And the fact is it wasn't attacking. It, it wasn't in a, 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 I think attacking almost sounds like it was like a vindictive type thing. That that dog was actually the enough. victim in all enough, of this. Right? Like, it was literally like, it was a consequence of the situation that they found themselves in. And so by saying that fair doesn't mean equal, by actually treating dogs based on their individual needs rather than the group needs, then you're treating each dog and fairly. So another example for me is quite often I walk up on the moor, as do you. One of my dogs, I do have to work really hard with her around stock because she's looking at stock. Well, actually, not just for her, but sometimes for me, I don't take her mm. and I don't feel bad about mm. it. She stays at home. I take some of the other dogs and when I get back, I might do something different with her. So I might play some triple F or maybe I play some of the sexier than a squirrel challenges yeah. or maybe she does some of the training academy games or maybe she does some of the 21 days to stress-free walks mm. games. What we don't do 
do is we don't keep putting them all in the same situation just because we feel guilty that they're not all doing the same thing. You actually don't need to feel bad about that. So I suppose there, Tom, there's a level of within multi-dog households, ditching the routine and ditching the bowl because actually those two allow me to have a fair doesn't mean equal relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And so one of the biggest questions that we get asked is, well, I've got multiple dogs. How do I play these games with multiple dogs? Well, I guess as a starting point, you don't, right? You, you, you would play the games with your dogs individually. And this would be built on a foundation of gator communities of fair doesn't mean equal. Of boundary games. Of calmness, right? Of, of boundary games, household calmness. And then you play the games individually. And the other dog isn't, hasn't got like crazy FOMO in the other room thinking, oh my God, what's going on? Actually, this is just the way it is. They have separate schedules. And, and I think that's something that so many people say to us, where do I start? What do I do? Well, those are all of the things we start with. And, and absolutely those separate schedules we start with. And, and it's, it's where we go in. We go in at a level that we can do. We don't worry about what we can't do. Mm -hmm. So for me, one of the first places that I would tackle personally would be boundary games. Mm -hmm. I'd make sure my house is set up correctly and I'd go in at boundary games because yeah. those I can play with one dog at a time until I've grown them to the next layer. So next tip would be that a foundation to being able to have a gator community, a foundation to being able to have dogs separate from one another, your dog has to learn something. And that is that just because you are in the house does not mean that they should have access to you. And this seems like something like, oh, it doesn't matter. I don't mind my dog following me around. Or I, I love that they greet me when I come yeah, in the house, like and they do zoomies and they carry stuff I love and they that scream. they want to be with me. But the reality is that actually you're now totally limited to having all the dogs with you at all times. And as you know, that might not be in their best interest in that moment, in that day, in that week. They might have different requirements requirements. And so um, what we do is we we have a gator community, but then we actively promote and, and really celebrate our dogs spending time away from us, whether that's by giving them like a passive calming activity, like a, a long lasting chew or a canine calm mat with some of their daily food allowance on. And what they learn is that actually just because you're in the house doesn't mean that they have access to and you and it's cool. It just because you're in the house doesn't mean it's high arousal. Mm. Just because you're in the house doesn't mean they need to be doing like parade and zoomies and bouncing and playing and barking. Actually, you are not a predictor of, of craziness. You're not a predictor of, of chaos. And that's that's exactly how we want to come into the home. And I think, let's be honest, multi-dog households and, and the struggles that multi-dog households can have, the, 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 the people that both you and I see, Tom, one of the biggest ones is entering the house. Mm or leaving the house. Yeah. Those are two big issues for a yeah. lot of dogs, whether it's howling and barking and, and disliking you leaving the house or whether it's chaos when you arrive in the house and maybe potentially fights or sparky like kickoffs mm -hmm. when you get into that premises. That is... I think purely um, it's very solvable by mm. actually you come into the house and your first thing that you do is not go crazy about your dog. Yeah. Actually, as much as we all adore our dogs, it's not in their best interest that we are, um, th th that's their first focus, right? Mm. Like we are, we want to be more of a non-event to them yeah. when we're in and out. We come in, if Tom and I had been out for the day, for example, um, for those of you that don't know, Tom and I don't live together. We are, we train together. We're, we're training partners <laughs> together. And, and what we might do is I don't know we might have had a long long day at work or, or been out of the house we 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 pop in and we maybe have brought 
our dogs to work with us. Mm -hmm. They might even sit in the car for 10 minutes yeah. before we, before we come in. So we don't make it too predictable all the time. And we mm -hmm. live in a place where we can leave them in a car. It's the UK. It's very often cold, 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 um, cold. very cold. And <laughs> um, we'd come in and then we might make sure everything's set up. They'll come in, mm -hmm. pop them out for, for a toilet break. We don't make a big deal yeah. of it all the time. Might make a cup of tea. Yeah. And in fact, I, I can bet I know what you're thinking right now. And I know this because I was chatting to a, a an amazing dog owner today in a behavior consult who said but the thing is the idea of my dog not having access to me when i'm home um kind of um like it, it doesn't it kind of goes against how I feel because I'm busy and I don't actually get to spend much time with my dog. And that's, that's and the so thing many is, people, isn't yeah. it? And the thing is, that's exactly why we need to do this because there is this window where we can teach them this and it's a, so therefore especially important that we teach them it and especially important with multi-dog households and where there's like this bucket explosion absolutely. when an owner is home and, and they want to have access just, to you. Just as important, Tom, with a, with a single dog household in lots of ways on, the, on in this yeah. one. Yeah, because absolutely. owners don't, I mean, we have um, owners uh, here training person all year round. And what I see most commonly is they feel guilty. Mm. They feel guilty they don't have enough time. Yeah. They feel guilty they don't spend enough time. And so what they do is when they're there, they lavish it on mm. them. But actually, if they were to consider that when they first come in the house, they get on with their own thing first, it's actually much less stressful for yeah. your dog, right? Yeah, it's actually kinder and more in line with training that dog in front of you. And the way that you've got to think is that I think this is just a great kind of rule of life for working with dogs in general is dogs are learning all the time with every interaction we're growing them in a direction are you growing your dog in the direction you want to grow them with every interaction you have with them right now or are we leaving it to chance because if we're leaving it to chance the chances are that actually they're growing in a direction that you that is going to be a relationship withdrawal in the long run when they're crazy excited and can't think when you come home or when they, I don't know, two dogs um, get into a bit of a, a scuffle because the arousal's gone up because you're home. Like that, it, it, it seems like things happen by accident, but actually that's just because we as humans are not being intentional about the way that we interact and with I, I our dogs. I think that's a really relevant point, the the word intentional. Mm -hmm. I think that we could be so much more intentional, uh, uh, intentional rather about how we interact yeah. and actually just consider it. It. So really consider it before we do it. Don't rush to do something because that's what you've always done. Actually be intentional about what you want to do and what you yeah. want to create. And just like Tom said, dogs are learning all the time. Is it direction you want to grow them in? And is it, are they learning where you want them to? Mm -hmm. and, and actually cons consider sometimes what they are learning. And yeah. I think that's the difficult thing. They're learning whether you're involved or not. Yeah. Uh, it's just whether it's the direction you want to go. So with that, there are the tips that have meant that over the years, decades of having multi-dog households, we've had very harmonious multi-dog households. And it's these are the, the tips and kind of strategies that have guided thousands of our students with multi-dog households to having harmonious ones when actually maybe they weren't so harmonious. And so what we want you to do is we want you to take action. We want you to grow this. And even if you don't have a struggle right now in your multi-dog household, or you think, you know what, I've got a single dog household and I never want to have a multi-dog household. Everything that we have talked about and described in this episode of the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast is going to be a gift that you can give your dog. It's going to grow your dog in the right direction. It's going to allow and you to be intentional. It's ultimately, it's very 
kind to you and it's kind to your dog and it's kind to your lifestyle. And it means ultimately your dog will have more freedom and it means your dog will have more opportunity. So actually it's quite exciting for our dogs. Absolutely. So that was this episode of the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. We will see you next time in the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. And remember, stay Stay sexy. sexy. Hey, before you go, have you taken part in the worldwide Sexier Than a Squirrel Challenge? It's a 25-day online video program, huge energy, amazing community, and over 6,000 people are already taking part. The only question is, you know where you are today. Where do you want to be 25 days from now? Head to absolutedogs.me forward slash sexy.